Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. This is Naked Pine. Naked Pine. M.I.P. With Masamela Matsumal. Mark Thompson. Naked Pine. Get woke. Uh, our mayor, the Honorable Raz J. Baraka. I always want to say Raz. You have to forgive me, Mayor. I, I get this on right. my brain. Raz J. Baraka. You, you earned the right to call me all, all kinds of, uh, of Razzes and Razzes and all of that, brother. It's all good. I appreciate your consistency and commitment to our struggle. Uh, uh, and, and that's for sure, uh, you know, it's to the black world and all of, the, all of the work that you've been doing here. And we've been glad to partner with you in the city of Newark. Have to, uh, you know, um, say I'm thankful and grateful to be on this incredible panel you have here of all these people. Uh, my brother Chokwe, Mayor Chokwe Anton Lamuma will be on soon. Congratulations to him once again. He just uh, won a second term uh, down in Jackson, Mississippi. But that's where we at. That's our hometown. That's where we at. Uh, and I have to shout out my folks that are up here, uh, Durian Murray. I see Thomas up here from uh, school board is here with us. I see Kalisha Wingfield, who's part of my policy office, also on here. You know, I know they, they're going to uh, add excitement. It's always good uh, 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 to see uh, my brother, Reverend Mark, up there as well, brother. Uh, you know, we go back some time. But, uh, you know, just trying to judge uh, President Biden, I think you, we have to look at uh, a few things. Uh, one, what, are the, what is the barometer, right? And I think that that's important because, I mean, if we judge him based on the, the gentleman that just, uh, and, I, and, I, and I'm doing him a, a, a lot by calling him a gentleman, the, 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 the president that, that uh, you know, we just had, uh, if we base it on that, then his, his scores are tremendously high. Uh, but that is a low barometer, right? And, you know, just given the fact that, you know, the amount of money that he's, he's pledging to put in people's hands and has put in people's hands in terms of the Stimulus Act, uh, the American Recovery Act that's coming to cities and states, infrastructure bill, jobs bill, all of those things have been happening. The way he's been handling uh, this pandemic, even his empathy in 
uh, all these shootings and killings that we continuously to endure uh, and the injustice that we endure in this country. And, and I would say that at least the empathy, uh, we didn't see that last time. So uh, he gets high remarks in terms of the, the request for a $15 minimum wage, the, the pushback against the millionaires, billionaires, now trillionaires, who made consistent amount of money during the pandemic while over 20 million Americans uh, lost their job and, and places like Newark and black and brown people are suffering, can't pay their rent, can't pay their mortgage, uh, uh, even uh, you know, reorganizing PPP to get into hands of smaller businesses or smaller black and brown businesses, that's important. But I think that that plan has been a general plan uh, and it's been basically been the plan most liberals and, 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 and left liberals had have had, always had, is a general plan to, you know, kind of help America, them understanding that trickle down economics doesn't work, it never worked, and that money has to get in the hands of families, working families, uh, uh, poor people, people in these communities, they, you need to lift them up, uh, and that's the only way you lift up this economy, and I think that they at least understand that basic principle uh, that uh, you have to make sure that there's food on people's tables, jobs for people to go to, uh, solid families, uh, making sure that we give people access to higher education, all of that. But I think the thing that's glaringly missing and has always been missing from all of this is the direct plan for us. That's, that's always been missing. And uh, if, if you want to grade him on that, he will get the same grade as most of these people because there is no direct plan for us. And while he talks about an infrastructure bill, a jobs bill, which is incredibly necessary for American people, then there's no talk about a, a Marshall Plan for Black people in these communities, for Black and Brown people in these cities, to make sure we lift these cities up to, to, to combat a wealth gap that in New Jersey is the largest, one of the largest wealth gaps in the nation, right? Uh, that, that most of us are still segregated in segregated communities. We still uh, do not have access to capital. Uh, we still do not have uh, uh, access to, to, to open schools and community and employment, that uh, money has to be put in our communities directly, deliberately, and it needs to be said. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that he's fighting for the George Floyd and Policing Act. I think that's the right thing to do. But there needs to be an anti-lynching bill. It needs to be passed. It needs to be something specifically guided and directed towards our community. And I think it should come from his mouth, uh, either th uh, th through the speeches that he gave or through an executive order. Right. I, I think that that stuff absolutely needs to happen. And 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 we and he has to talk directly about repairing uh, uh, our communities and families for centuries of disservice. Uh, and, it, it, and, and you can see in a speech where they say the middle class built America. I get that. And I understand politically why they have to say that. Right. Right. That corporations didn't build it. The middle class built America. But the fact of the matter is is that free labor built America. Free African labor built America. It's just a fact that the textile mills, the, the, the insurance companies, the financial institutions, most of the world's cotton came from the Southern part of the United States that was mined, picked, put together by African labor for free. Uh, and that's just a fact. And generations of underemployment and deliberate uh, 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 free work that we've given to these people, either through sharecropping or, or share lean system. Uh, we did this for, for, for centuries. And so the, the reality is that Black people, African people built America, and we need to be compensated. And, and, and that has to be addressed. 
we can't that that's glaringly missing. It has to be addressed. It has to be put on the, the forefront uh, of all of this. And so if we grade them, grading them on that, they did poor grades uh, in my book. You know, uh, you know, the, the, I think the, the people believe even our allies and we have to address them, even our allies on the left who believe that just by repairing America's economy and, and making giving capitalism a conscious and, and helping lift all boats up that we will be lifted in that, too. But that's just incorrect. Uh, even in the New Deal, Black people were left out. Uh, even in the GI Bill, Black people were left out. Uh, even in all, all of the, the, the institutions and opportunities that were created by this country, we were left out deliberately, purposefully. Uh, and so there has to be a deliberate and purposeful uh, piece of legislation, executive order, push uh, to equalize or create equity, I should say, in this country for people who have been beaten down in all, in all facets. Uh, uh, even when we start talking about policing, and I wanna close because I don't wanna monopolize everything. Even when we start talking about policing uh, and the legal system, that, that there has to be a stronger words. And I appreciate him using racism and white supremacy and systemic. I appreciate that that's a long way from where we were, uh, but we have to push him to go even further uh, than that uh, and begin to do things on a national level to help reform change, reimagine what public safety looks like. And I wanna leave with all of us here today so we can understand though all of these killings are taking place, that our gripe is not only with the police. And I need us to understand that because what will happen is we'll get all these police reforms and we'll still be in poverty, we'll still be getting beaten, we'll still have poor housing, the wealth gap will still be the same, white supremacy will still exist. Uh, I, I like Ben and Jerry. Ben and Jerry said the system is corrupt, talking about policing, uh, and it can't be reformed. It, it, have, it has to be replaced. And so that doesn't just go for policing. It goes for probably every major institution in this country. And we have to make sure that we don't get so caught up and don't repeat history, get so caught up in a battle with the police, we forget that our battle is the state itself and not the police. So uh, that's, that's really all that, 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 that I have. Uh, I know this is going to be an incredible, incredible forum. Uh, you know, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, and I think the work that we're doing locally uh, in all of these cities and, and, and countywide and statewide that we have to begin to do them and unite with each other to make a national push uh, to push these people even further than they already are. We have to keep pushing and keep pushing because they weren't always at this point they're at today. That's because people were in the street. That's because people were organizing. People were demanding change. And so we pushed them to this part. Now we have to push just a little further uh, to get uh, them to say uh, black people in this country, African people in this country, uh, even brown people in this country have to be repaired uh, for centuries, centuries of abuse uh, uh, and neglect. And that there needs to be an urban martial plan. All right, uh, we thank you, uh, Mayor Raz J. Baraka, strong uh, right out of the uh, blocks indeed. Uh, let me uh, say that nearly 50 years ago, the National Black Political Convention in Gary was convened by the Honorable Richard Gordon Hatcher, Congressman Charles C. Diggs, and Amiri Baraka, the father of our host. And it focused on the need for Black America to have a Black agenda, a Black political agenda, as a basis for 
selecting, electing, and holding candidates for, um, accountable. Black folks should always have a Black agenda, whether it's at the city level or the uh, county level, the state level, congressional or presidential election. It's really in this spirit that we convene, uh, the Institute of the Black Well 21st Century convenes this forum. There's no question that Black voters led by Black women rescued Biden's campaign and propelled him to the White House. Black voters in Georgia indeed also marched on ballot boxes to defeat the MAGA loyalists. And they were MAGA loyalists, white supremacist terrorists who advocate white power. It's out in the open now. They defeated them so that the Democrats now have this narrow margin in the Senate of the United States. And of course, that means that that creates a pathway for the implementation of the Lift Every Voice Black agenda. And quite frankly, I would have people Google the Lift Every Voice Black Agenda and actually go read it to see how specific it actually is, uh, because there is a Lift Every Voice Black Agenda, and it should be analyzed and assessed uh, accordingly. We have assembled today some of the most outstanding minds in Black America to evaluate how well Biden and the Democratic Party are performing in their first 100 days and to discuss, as Mayor Ras Baraka has said, how to hold them accountable. How do we continue to, in fact, push forward uh, in a progressive manner? And so I now want to introduce the panelists that we have for today. Uh, and it is an incredible panel. Y'all all know Dr. Julianne Malvo. She is the, an author, political economist, and commentator, uh, president emeritus of Bennett College for Women. Uh, Dr. Julianne Malvo is with us. Latasha Brown will be joining us uh, shortly, and we all know how hard she worked and continues to work as the co-founder of Black Voters Matter. She's out of Atlanta, Georgia. Bill Fletcher, um, President Emeritus of Trans the Trans-Africa uh, Forum, a labor and social justice activist out of Washington, DC. Um, I don't know whether we've been joined yet, but we hope soon by Tamika Mallory, co-founder of Intel Freedom uh, in New York. Dr. Greg Carr, uh, he's our, our chairman of Africana Studies, period, for the whole Black nation. But he's uh, narrowly, and I say that, uh, you know, in, in narrowly only in the specific sense that he is the chairman of the Africana Studies Department uh, at Howard University in Washington, D.C. Pastor Mike, he's called Pastor Michael McBride, co-founder of the Black Church Pact from Berkeley, California. Edouardian Murray Thomas, school board member, proud school board member from Newark, we used to say back in the day, and, and uh, uh, the mayor's already given uh, her a shout out, and Kalisha Winfield-Hill, uh, policy advisor, the office of uh, Mayor uh, Baraka. And of course, Dr. E. Faye Williams, the national president and CAO of the National Congress of Black Women from Washington, DC. And last but not least, uh, Jamisha Gray, who is the manager of the Movement for Black Lives Electoral Policy Project, joining us from Miami, Florida. Uh, among the issues that we'll be discussing as the response to the COVID pandemic, voting rights, criminal justice and police accountability, gun violence, reparations, you better believe reparations is gonna be on the agenda, and equity policies, jobs and employment, business and economic development, environmental and climate justice, housing justice and immigration. But before I proceed further and introduce our moderators, 
Uh, let's listen to President uh, Biden, Joe Biden, in uh, making his commitment to Black Americans, to African Americans, in his own words. To all those of you who volunteered and worked the polls in the middle of this pandemic, local elected officials, you deserve a special thanks from the entire nation. And to my campaign team and all the volunteers and all who gave so much of themselves to make this moment possible, I owe you, I owe you, I owe you everything. And to all those who supported us, I'm proud of the campaign we built and ran. I'm proud of the coalition we put together, the broadest and most diverse coalition in history, Democrats, Republicans, independents, progressives, moderates, conservatives, young, old, urban, suburban, rural, gay, straight, transgender, white, Latino, Asian, Native American. I mean it, especially for those moments, and especially for those moments where this campaign was at its lowest ebb, the African-American community stood up again for me. You've always had my back, and I'll have yours. By the way, folks, we want to tell you about a captivating podcast called All Revved Up, distributed by GBH. The All Revved Up podcast explores the intersections of faith, politics, and culture. It's a bi-weekly podcast hosted by the Reverend Irene Monroe, who's been a frequent guest and a good friend of the R Show, Make It Plain, and also by the Reverend Emmett G. Price III. The Revs who hail from different black faith perspectives, generations, parts of the country and are of different sexual orientations come together to talk about the issues of the day in a different way. Listen to All Revved Up wherever you get your podcasts. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back after these messages. That's President Biden in his own words, and I do see we have now been joined, as I gave my shout out earlier, the Honorable uh, Chokwe Anton Lumumba from the great city. Our city, as uh, Mayor Baraka was saying, our home uh, from Jackson, uh, Mississippi. It's now my privilege to introduce our moderators for today's panel discussion, the heart, the meat of this conversation. We began with none other than Reverend Mark Thompson. You know him well, he is like the convener, the moderator of everything, because he's a bad brother and has been for so many years. We are delighted for him to be associated uh, with the Institute of the Black World 21st Century. Uh, he is um, uh, a member of INCOBRA, and he's also a member of the National African American Reparations Commission as well. But you all mostly know him as host of Make It Plain, uh, Reverend Mark Thompson. Secondly, that bad sister attorney in Kichi Taifa, she is uh, also a member of INCOBRA, a founding member of INCOBRA indeed, also a member of the National African-American Reparations Commission. And she got the hottest book in Black America in America going out now. It's called Black Power, Black Lawyer. Would you please welcome uh, attorney Nkishi Taifa. So let's get this panel discussion on Biden, the first 100 days, the report card. Let's get the conversation started. We now turn it over to Reverend Mark and attorney Nkichi Taifa. Well, good evening, uh, everyone. And it's a pleasure to see all of you here. We're looking forward to a great conversation. Thank you, Dr. Daniels, as always, for your leadership in convening these types of events. Thank you uh, to both uh, our honorable mayors uh, for being here. 
Um, and uh, especially Brother Chokwe, uh, God bless him and God bless uh, his dad, whom we all knew and loved and had a great relationship with. And also Mayor Raz, whose father we also knew and had a great relationship with. Speaking of this police thing, I don't know how many of you are aware, but somehow Mayor Raz and his leadership in, in Newark the, uh, enabled the police department, if I have this right, not to fire a single shot in 2020. Do I have that right, Mayor Raz? Is that, is that accurate? Not that the police did not fire a single bullet in last year. Is that correct? By the grace of God, brother. Yep. Yeah. So we need to send you around the country, show these other police departments and mayors how to do that. Um, uh, Nikichi, do you have any uh, any opening remarks? It's good to hear be with, to be with our sister. Be sure to get her book, Black Power, Black Lawyer. Uh, it's very exciting. There's even uh, no, a no, couple of interesting <laughs> scandalous type things in the book that you all will want to read about. Um, welcome to you too, Sister Nikichi. Thank you so very much, uh, <laughs> Governor Mark. Uh, it's all good. It's a personal joke we got going up here. But you know, uh, as we heard on the video, uh, Biden says that uh, he has our back. Well, what we want to make sure is that he keeps the rest of the country's knee off of our necks, okay? I think that is what needs to be the order of the day. But I think what we're going to do now is open it up to the panelists for each of them to give remarks. We're talking about this is like a um, a rapid fire, you know, a one minute, just one minute opening a statement. And then we're going to get into the, uh, uh, the back um, to back uh, interactive discussion. So I think the best way to do this, Reverend Mark, would you agree, is if we just call on folk that we see on the uh, screen? Yes, just opening remark in general about Biden and whether you think he does have our back. It may be in reaction to last night. So yeah, let's do that. Nikita, you can call on each panelist if you like. Okay, well, I'm going to call based on how I see them on my screen. I see Dr. E. Faye Williams right there, National Congress of Black Women. Take it away, my sister. Well, thank you so much, Nikichi, and uh, I, I appreciate your book. I've got one, too, that'll be out in a few days called Wake Up and Stay Woke, so you can talk to me about that soon. Uh, first, um, I don't mean no disrespecting anybody, but I want to say I am so excited about all the work that the sisters did in electing the Biden-Harris team, I have to say that. And of course, we know the long delay in President Biden even being uh, you know, said to be our president, that sort of prevented him from getting uh, his administration started. But once he got it started, let me tell you, he went to work and he got some of the baddest sisters in his administration that we know will be there to have our backs uh, when Mr. Biden does or does not. They'll be there representing us. We know that he faced a country that was already in free fall when he came in. So there were some things he couldn't do immediately. He was facing that riot, yes, that riot on January 6th, the insurrection, whatever you want to call it. And he faced a country that had great expectations of him from us, while many of our people were still dying because of the lies they had been told in COVID-19. So I, I want to say a few words about the women because I represent women, quote, and their families. So brothers, don't feel left out. Whatever we do for the women, we know it's also helping you. And so we uh, no doubt know that President Biden has done a whole lot better than his predecessor did, but he's still got a long way to go. That's because we were left out so many times. He has not been perfect 
And we know that we still got to stay on him. You know, one of the things we often do is we elect people and then we forget to keep on demanding that they do the things that they promised us they were going to do. I believe he saved many lives, however, doing exactly what he said he was going to do on COVID-19. We've seen him exceed the goal that he had for helping us get those uh, vaccinations. He also immediately increased food security and gave people a little bit of money to manage until they can get back to work. So I'm really excited about uh, what is to happen. I probably have more things to say he needs to do in the 100 day, the, the next 100 days than now, but I'm glad to be here. Thank you very much. Thank you so very much, Dr. Ife. Thank you very much. You kept to your uh, one minute. And the next person on my screen is Jamika. Jamika Gray. And we're talking about the manager of the Movement for Black Lives Electoral Justice Project. Take it away, sister. Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me. Um, I may be like on the other end of the spectrum. I, you know, Mayor Roz already said that the bar was low for Biden, but when I'm speaking, I'm speaking for over 150 Black-led grassroots. And for us, the next 100 days are crucial, right? It's either now or never in terms of impacting our communities in a good way. And, you know, COVID vaccine and getting them out to people is great. I think he can do a better job when we talk about rural Black people, right, who don't happen to live in urban centers. Um, and so, you know, I think Biden has a way to go. I also would be remiss if I didn't acknowledge the harm that he has done to the Black community and the impacts that it has on my generation, the generation to come after me, and the generations to come before me. And so I am extremely excited to jump into this conversation, to hear what other folks have to say, um, and to share our, you know, our perspective. And I also want to end on a quote from the Ayanna Presley. She said it this morning in one of our uh, conversations. She said, I can't liberate my people if they are dead. And that resonates deeply with me and in every space that I'm gonna be in, I'm gonna say it and I'm gonna uplift it. Check and thank you so much for having me. Thank you so very much, my sister. And we're gonna move on to the great economist, Dr. Julianne Malvo, author, political economist, commentator, Washington DC, talk to us, doc. You're thank you, uh, Brother Daniels for convening us and Mayor Baraka for, as always, uh, hosting us in Newark, virtually this time but for hosting us. Mark and Nkichi, thank you all for your leadership. I know you're gonna guide this conversation very professionally and pull as much out of us as you can. I hope that people looked at um, Brother Biden. I, when I call him Brother Biden, this is like aspirational. I'm not claiming him as the brother just yet, it's aspirational. But um, if you looked at him last evening, um, I was actually pretty pleased about what he put out there. I've also, as Ife said, um, been pleased about the space, the quickness with which he got the shots in arms, although he clearly under-promises so he can over-deliver. But still, two, uh, more than 100 million people have been vaccinated. Um, that's good news. Uh, what we have to do is get people who are vaccine-reluctant uh, uh, to get vaccinated. Getting COVID shots in arms is directly linked to the economic surge that we're seeing right now. And it's not a surge surge, but GDP growth was 6% uh, last quarter. That's a lot. Uh, the unemployment rate is down, but we still lost more than, we still, even with all that, lost more than 8 million jobs. We're still 8 million jobs down. We still have uh, 
women and especially black women being pushed out of the labor market. So over 800,000 women not in the labor market anymore. And we still have all these issues with wages. Now, I know we'll talk more later, but let me just say this one thing. What yeah. Biden has to do is target. He must target. He has, he, he, does, he has this rhetoric about equity, but he has a target. He has to say, these dollars are gonna to go to create black jobs and not black and brown jobs, black jobs. These dollars are gonna to go to these communities. He's afraid to do that, but you know what? He's not the first one. So was President Clinton and so was President Obama. So we have to, as Faye said, we have to stay on him. We have to stay on him, but he has to do better for the people who he said he had their back. All right, thank you so very much. Dr. Julianne Malvo, let's bring a brother on up in here right now, Brother Bill Fletcher, author extraordinaire, labor and social justice activist, Washington DC, talk to us, Bill Fletcher. Thank you very much, uh, Ron, thank you very much and, and Mark uh, and all the panelists, uh, Mayor Baraka uh, and Mayor uh, Lumumba. Um, very quickly, um, I, I, I begin actually in this that um, a year ago, I would put a dollar to a donut that not one of us expected that Biden would be any more than a warmed over Obama. That not one of us expected that he would come out of the gates the way he did in terms of domestic policy. And I think that that's very significant. And I think that it speaks to some battles that are going on in the political class and the ruling elite that we should pay some attention to. Uh, the second thing is that I don't expect him to watch our backs. I expect us to insist that he does that. And I think that one of the mistakes of the Obama years was our expectation that he was going to follow through with little pressure on him uh, on, on the commitments from 2008. And I think that we were badly mistaken on that. And, and therefore we should learn that the only way that this happens is if there's pressure. And that means organization and mass movements. And I will leave it at that. All right, thank you so very much. More MIP after this message. Let's go on and go to my sister, Latasha. Latasha Brown, co-founder of Black Voters Matter. Worldwide person. I mean, every time, good. I mean, I, I can't keep up with you, Latasha. <laughs> I'll say sister. So happy to see you, my sister. You know, I do want to raise something, you know, what I think ever I agree with all that's been said so far, but I do want to raise something in the context really to build off what Bill said. What we have to really recognize is we have to recognize that, you know, oftentimes we're in this position around we're looking at, you know, politics from the perspective of what this politician is going to do to actually shift and, and change everything. When the truth of the matter is, it doesn't matter if we had Jesus as the president in this country. Until we do structural change in America, we will keep dealing with what we're dealing with. And so what we have to deal with is that we have to pressure Biden to actually make structural change. But I also think that we can hold an understanding of literally what movement did is movement created a process where here is um, the president of the United States literally standing with a black woman and a white woman um, to his left and his right, right? That is something commendable, y'all. We need to think about that. And we did that. That is saying that trickle down economics. I'm not so sure that, that President Biden would have said that five years ago, right? I'm not so sure when we're talking 
talking about racial justice and we're going to close down the prisons, private prisons, as he said today um, in Georgia, that he would have said that five years ago. I'm raising that because I think it's also important for us to understand our leverage and not to really marginalize where we are seeing change. But I do think where the opportunity, and we'll talk more about this, I think what the, I, I did, I think he came out the gate swinging. I think the stimulus package was something that was needed in our community. And as much as we don't, we don't need to marginalize COVID, not in a space where I've had family members to die, not even in a space that in the state of Georgia in April of last year, 80% of all people who were hospitalized were black folks. So it COVID has been devastating in our community. So I think it's important for us to really think of this balance of how do we push him around structural change. And I've got a lot to say about that because he's going to have to end that filibuster. Well, you're going to definitely have opportunity to expand and explode, my sister said he came out swinging. Well, let's see what Dr. Greg Carr has to say about that. We're going to be bringing him up. Uh, next, we're talking about Greg Carr, the chairman of the Africana Studies Department at Howard University. Talk to us, my brother. Uh, thank you. Thank you, my dear sister. And uh, I get promoted to the faculty Jan uh, July 1st. So I'm rotating out of that chair so I can go back to work. <laughs> so I'm, I'm very happy about that. <laughs> but that having been said, thanks to IBW, of course, Brother Ron, and thanks to all, all, all you, brother, my Brother Mark, and uh, to our mayors, uh, Mayor Baraka and Mayor Lumumba. Um, I just want to continue. And Sister Latosha, you just put it where we could get it. You know, Joe Biden's being, to use the words of Ron Bennett Jr., forced into glory. And he's being forced into glory and pushed leftward. When we heard him open his mouth last night, no wonder he came out the podium and shook hands with Bernie Sanders because he sounded like Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. That's because of the work y'all did in the streets. Y'all drugged that mummy to the left. He ain't as far left as we want him to be, but he's getting there. Uh, it, it, he's done more in the first hundred days, but not enough. So when he says that this is already paid for and he shouted out them 650 people who made a trillion dollars during this plague and said that the things are already covered, that's warfare that immediately triggered the, those who protect the capital class, including our brother, uh, Tim Scott, who shank, sh sh shook his jangle leg for everybody making over $400,000 last night in South Carolina. So finally, I'll end with this at the beginning, because uh, I know, as you say, we'll talk about this. You know, Black folk have always had to have big government. Uh, the big failure was Reconstruction. We didn't get our reparations. And so since then, there have been little Reconstructions in the 60s. And now we are possibly in a third one if we push them to do that. And what we see is that Republicans love to hate big government until they love big government. In the case of New Jersey, the mayor of Newark can work with the state of New Jersey. But in the case of Mississippi, we got to surround and protect uh, Chokwe Anta Lumumba at all costs because he's got a white nationalist in the state house in Jackson. And we have to understand that it's us that make the change, not the other way around. Absolutely. Thank you so much. We definitely need to protect our 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 our, our leaders there, Chokwe and 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 etc. Um we're gonna go now to a Dorian. I love that name. A Dorian. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it. Dorian Murray Thomas. We're talking about someone who is a school board member in Newark, New Jersey, personally picked by Mayor Rasparaka to be part of this panel. Talk to us, sister. <laughs> Thank you, my sister. And I have to say, it is just so humbling to be in the space of so many people who I love and admire and have grown up reading and studying and listening to. So I just want to thank you, Mayor Baraka, for your leadership and for having me. I want to thank you to, to Mayor Malumba, all these other progressive uh, 
leaders, black leaders in our country who are making space for young sisters and brothers like me and Kalisha and all of us coming up to do this work. My name is Adoria Marie Thomas and I'm the founder and CEO of She Wins Inc, which is an organization I started at 19 for girls like me who were affected by gun violence in the city of Newark. When I was seven years old, my father was killed literally two blocks from our house. And so for me, it was always been important to make sure that other young women who've gone through the things I've gone through didn't have to go through them alone. You know, making sure these girls have college career and community ready options. I have the pleasure of also serving as a school board member here in Newark. And so from both of these lenses as being a nonprofit leader and founder working specifically with black and Latinx girls and a school board member where I literally am on the board serving the largest school district in the state of New Jersey. I think about this question of assessing President Biden from an educational, racial, and gender equity lens. Uh, my question is really simple. If I'm gonna judge President Biden, I have to judge him by how he is serving our kids and how his plans are impacting our young people. And so I'm looking firstly at the rescue plan, right? And the fact that with the rescue plan, there's a 170.3 billion investment in funding for public schools across the country. For Newark, we're looking at $84.2 million to, of relief to come into our, into our district. And so as a person who literally up until this day is getting calls and Instagram just direct messages from my young people telling me about some of the challenges they're having learning remotely while they have to take care of their own education while also helping make sure their little brothers and sisters are logged on. Or for my mentees who are having to work for the first time because their mom lost their job or lost her hours. And so now she has to do more. When I look at the fact that this administration is making an unprecedented level of federal investment in public education, um, that's a win right? Looking at these 100 days. Um, I'm also looking at the fact that there are real plans and resources to make sure that there's increased access to higher education through free community college and investment in E-rate and digital things to bridge the digital divide. And so there are a number of things that are happening that are making sure that our young people win. Uh, and, so, and so I'm proud of that. At yes, this and you know, we're going to, you're going to have some, an ample opportunity when we get to Q&A to really, really go deep on all of this, but we're going to go on right now. And we're going to make sure that you have the opportunity to um, really flesh out those ideas. So thank you, my sister, Adorian. We want to move to your colleague right now, Kylesha, Kylesha Wingfield Hill, who's policy advisor with the office of the mayor, Rasparaka, Newark, New Jersey. Kylesha, talk to us, sister. Greetings, greetings. It is such a privilege um, and an honor to be here with you tonight um, on this panel. Um, I do want to give a special shout out to my mayor of this great city, Mayor Raj J. Baraka, for always being so supportive and always doing the work that's necessary at the local level to advance our people. Um, I'm always uh, excited um, to work with him and to help him do this work to move the city of Newark forward and to move the state of New Jersey forward. I do want to applaud uh, uh, President Biden um, on a lot of his efforts. I mean, he's made uh, progress on his promises related to the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, and after taking office, you know, the 1.9 trillion relief bill that contained money for direct payments um, and enhanced unemployment benefits. Um, there are some other things um, that um, I am going to critique him on once we get into our discussion, um, but there are certainly some great things that he's been able to do during the first 100 days. So again, um, applaud him on his efforts. Um, 
with, uh, you know, the Trump, the vaccines. I mean, we, he came out the office. I mean, he came into office, um, Brennan, we've seen so many um, folks getting vaccinated, especially, you know, here in our great city, but all over the country. Um, I do also want to employ him on his efforts on, you know, investing money um, to support evidence-based community violence. Um, there's no secret that, you know, um, there is, you know, the cities across the country are experiencing historic spikes in homicides. So as we, you know, get into the discussion, there are some things I do want to talk about. But again, thank you for having me. Um, and I'm ready to uh, discuss some of these issues. Thank you. Uh, I'm just so excited. And we will be joined um, during this uh, podcast uh, uh, by Tamika Mallory, co-founder of Intel Freedom New York. We'll be joined by Pastor Mike McBride, co-founder of Black Church Pack, Berkeley, uh, California. But what I want to do right now is go on and, and, and kick it off. I'm going to kick it off with a question, and then I'm going to throw it to uh, Reverend Mark. But I want to kick it off. I was I was on uh, Twitter, you know, I do that every so many times. And, you know, one person I follow all the time, uh-huh, at Africana Car, and he tweeted something this afternoon that I found quite um, uh, interesting. It was in response to the rebuttal, the rebuttal of uh, Senator Tim Scott, the lone um, black Republican in the uh, Senate. And it was a rebuttal. He, he did the rebuttal to President Biden's uh, 100 day of remarks. And Ray Carr said, quote, he said, when you start your history with cotton and are voted into Congress by people who believe that you and your people should never have left those fields, everything since then seems like an improvement, regardless of how unacceptable the cost to the rest of us. Professor Dr. Greg Carr, can you expound on that or explain uh, uh, what, what, what you're talking about? And, um, uh, uh, give us just a little flavor of what motivated that tweet. I appreciate you, sis. And in fact, we follow each other and you be laying that fire down. It was just so happened. I did, I did a little, that little tweet this morning. I, um, and I'm mindful. I got my stopwatch on. So we're going to keep in the rapid fire spirit of this. Uh, you know, you have, I, you have about two minutes for response. You're okay. Thank you. Thank you. That's good. That's what I wanted to make sure. Um, you know, I was just following in, in, in the logic of our brother, our elder, our now ancestor that we all knew very well, great John Henry Clark, who said, if you start your history with slavery, everything since then looks like progress. Simpson Scott was doing what he's supposed to do. He was defending the, the, the moneyed class. Uh, the white nationalist party, also known as the Republican party, at this juncture in its history, cannot win elections without appealing to white nationalism. That used to be the Democrats, of course, but we know that they are consistent, the GOP today. Uh, uh, they've been consistent since their founding in the 1850s. They are typically the party of business. And so what we're seeing is that uh, it was business interests that pushed, in many ways, this country in terms of electoral politics to vote in a Lincoln to end, and ultimately to end enslavement. It was business interests that broke the back of the plantocracy in the South that created the possibility of reconstruction. And it was at that moment that the, that the GOP betrayed Black people who set up the GOP in the South for a very different set of reasons. And so what we have to understand is that the, the desires, the hopes, the dreams, the determinations, the self-determination work of Black people in this country have never been linked to either 
either of the political parties or to electoral politics. We have our own independent base. That's why when uh, Baba Ron, you mentioned Gary, it's very important for us to understand that. But the GOP has been consistent. Uh, after, during Reconstruction and after, up until Plessy versus Ferguson, many of the cases that advanced the 14th Amendment were in protection of corporations. In fact, there were, there were a majority of railroad lawyers who became Supreme Court justices are the ones that decided Plessy. Why? Because separate accommodations wasn't bad for business. So what you find is by the time you get to Brown versus Board of Education and coming up through the 60s, it is the interstate commerce clause that is used to advance civil rights in this country because segregation is bad for business. But Black people have a different agenda. We're trying to bust through in a liberation struggle. So finally, when we see uh, Senator Scott last night talking about he came from a cotton field, what he's basically saying is that I am what diversity looks like in a society where billionaires want to make more money and they'll put a few black people out here to shake a leg for it. But my response was, you have to understand those same billionaires don't give a damn if you get lynched on the way back home from giving that stupid speech, as long as it doesn't interfere with their business. And so as long as you remember that, brother, you go and shake that jangle leg, but we are feel free to ignore Tim Scott because he has clearly been turned out by forces larger than he has the capacity to control. That's all I mean. Thank you for saying that. Yes, indeed. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. Please remember to listen, like, and wherever you get your podcasts, please give the show a five-star rating. And please do spread the word. Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police-demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been Made Plain. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade, or at least grab an extra latte. After getting a Chime checking account with features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe, no minimum balance requirements, and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at Chime.com goals24. That's Chime.com goals24. Chime. Feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. SpotMe eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply.